as we jump into today's Together series, I thought it would be appropriate to open up with this situation that Boudreaux and Thibodeau was having. They were sitting there, and they was eating some crawfish one Saturday night when Thibodeau remarked, I think I'm going to divorce Clitio. She hasn't talked to me in six months, not even one little word. Boudreaux thinks for a minute, then he tells Thibodeau, Tib, maybe you ought to think about it before you do that. A wife like that is hard to find, yeah. <laughs> Come on, somebody, sorry. <laughs> she, sorry, anyway, well, with that being said, we're going to jump into today's key verse. Uh, today, as we talk about the Together series, and this is about our relationships, keeping them all together, keeping our relationships with our spouses together, keeping our families together, keeping our, our businesses together, keeping our small groups together, keeping the church together. Together And so Psalms 133 and 1 is our key verse today. If you'll go ahead and write that down or look on the screen with me. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Say it with me, together. Try it one more time. One, two, three, together. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. You know, it was God's plan from the very beginning that we would keep it all together, that we could keep our relationships together. And so as we jump into this today, I want to just pray over you and ask the word of the Lord to get deep into our hearts so that we can keep it all together. Father, thank you for these amazing men and women of God. I thank you for the privilege to be their pastor, to lead them, Lord God, to serve them, Lord God. I just pray right now in Jesus' name against every demonic attack, every plan of the enemy, even back from their childhood days, to keep them from having unity, to being together, Lord God, with their friends, Lord God, with you, Lord Jesus, with, uh, with, with spouses and children. I thank you right now that there'll be no separation, Lord God, but they will be nothing more than what you plan, and that is that we would come together and dwell in unity because it's pleasant and it's wonderful and we call those things so in jesus name and everybody shouted amen, amen. you can do better than that say amen, amen. <clears throat> so you know as we jump into this teaching today i'm going to teach you the language if you will uh, the language of together now to start off we've got to kind of understand that there's a real devil out there and his plan is to kill steal and destroy his whole plan is to separate you from anything life-giving in your life, to separate you from your spouse, to separate you from your children, to separate you from the church, to separate you from the Lord God himself. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And what does Jesus do? He welcomes us into the family of believers. He doesn't give it these, these 16 checkoff points that if you do it this way, then I'll let you in. No, no. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you, just come to me and I'll fix it. I'll bring it all together, if you will. But I want you to understand that there's a real attack on my life, on your life, on all of our lives to keep us from being together, to separate us out. And that comes straight from the pit of hell. In fact, how many of you guys, like me, have experienced church splits? And, and we've seen people who, who serve the Lord, and then they walked away from him, and the enemy just literally split them out, separated them out from a good relationship with the living God. How many of you guys know, even went through divorce and things like that through childhood, and, and, and the difficulties that that brings? and the, the brokenness that happens to all of us as things are separated out. In fact, I'll give you a statistic that I found in studying this, that you know that when it comes to divorce, that you're, the average family is going to lose $100,000 through that, through that whole workings of a divorce. Did you know that? You say, well, that doesn't sound right. Now, listen, when it comes to the lawyer fees, 
That's one thing. But then when it comes to the, uh, the, the medical fees because of all the stress that you brought yourself through, and it comes to all the, uh, the, the, the uh, finances of living in two places, the family is now split up and someone's renting property, and you've got double uh, expenses there. The food is not shared anymore. And the average, according to We Divorce, the average is about $100,000 per family is lost. Friend, it's cheaper just to stay together. I'm going to tell you that right now. Or how about businesses? And you, you lose employees, and you just can't keep, keep those people happier or you you know you don't like your boss or something like that first and foremost for the person who's leaving that job it costs them tons of money just waiting to find a new job trying to make this transition but for the employer do you know that it costs you 150 percent of that former employee's salary to replace them you've got to go through training it takes them listen the average employee cannot cannot be productive until about halfway in to their training uh, of being on staff with you so about, it takes them about six months before they start even being somewhat productive, and it takes a full year before they're really in their stride. And so you're losing all that time, plus all the money to recruit that new employee. All this. Listen, it's just cheaper and better if we could just learn to stay. I'm telling you, that's God's plan for our lives. Not, not to mention all the difficulty of bouncing from one job to another, and then one marriage to another, one friendship and dating relationship to another. Friend, it's just so much easier and so much better. And that's why the key verse was how beautiful, how good and pleasant it is when, when brothers dwell together or live together in unity, when we can be in unity together, the momentum that it creates. The excitement that it creates, how good it is and how pleasant it is. You say, I just need peace in my life, and I just can't take it with him anymore. Friend, can I tell you something? All you're going to do is trade him in for someone else with problems. I'm just saying, listen, Jamie said, I'm never leaving you. I said, Why? well, thank you. She goes, yeah, it would be too hard to train somebody else. I got you where I want you at this point. Is it too much effort? Listen, I'll tell you something. It is the lie of the enemy that it's easier if you walk away from it. It's the lie of the enemy. It costs you more money, costs you more heartache, it destroys the relationship to where it probably never gets restored. It's so much easier to fight through and stay. Come on, you're doing good. And so the tragedy of separation and the difficulty therein, and I just want you to understand there is power in together. There is so much power in keeping it together, staying together, fighting for it. There's power in that. In fact, I'd like to bring you to, to the Holy Scriptures and see where God himself saw the power of humanity coming together, so much so that he had to deal with it. And so we're going to look at the story of the Tower of Babel. Maybe you've heard that before, but in Genesis chapter 11... And I'm going to read these nine verses, uh, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and teach you real quick about the Tower of Babel. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. Do you know that at one point the entire world spoke one language and a common speech? Why does it say one language and a common speech? Why does it say it twice? Because it's not talking about just the words that were taught, that were, they had a communal understanding with each other. In other words, you know how sometimes you're talking to somebody and you're speaking the same language, but they're not getting it? They didn't have this problem. They had a unified understanding of the way things were supposed to be and the way things acted and the way things worked. And here we are thousands of years later, and we're debating all these different ways. And They didn't have that. They had one language and one speech. And continuing on in verse 2, And as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. 
They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used the bricks instead of stone and tar for martyr. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The reason why this is significant is because if you feel back up in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, God told humanity, go, take over the entire earth, scatter, go, and, build, and take over everything that you can find. And so what they're doing is they're rebelling against what God had commanded and they said we don't want to go anymore actually what we want to do is we want to come together and cultivate a safety place now remember why they why do they want safety in this era have you not seen the bones of those t-rex they're trying to find a place to build them some walls ain't nobody gonna get eaten by that t-rex they're getting all this safety place in in, in play they're gonna build a tower they can look up into the heavens or they can also see down and see the bad things that could be happening they got this whole concept happening and so if we'll pick up in verse five it says but the lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. And the Lord said, listen to this, if as one people, everybody say together, say it, if as one people, everybody just say together for me right there. I know I caught you by surprise. I'm sorry. If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. He says, listen, if, I, if one language, one mindset, look what they've been able to do. If, if, if we don't do something, there is nothing that will be impossible for them to do. Continuing on, so come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Do you know how you get separation? You confuse the language. So the problem that we're having in our marriages and with our coworkers is that our language is confused, and we've got to learn the language of together. So continuing on, it says, so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the entire earth. There's nothing they won't be able to do. They will not, they'll, they'll continue to rebel against me unless I scatter them, uh, uh, excuse me, unless I confuse their language so that then they'll respond by scattering. The reason why we have separation in our marriages, the reason why we have difficulty in, 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 in our communal living, in small group life, is because we're speaking a different language. We're not speaking the same language, so we cannot work together. And that's why you get so frustrated and you get so agitated when I'm, when I'm in other countries and I'm ministering. And they'll, and they'll get to talking to me, you know, because they think I know their language because I just sit there and, and, and smile and grin. And then all of a sudden they start, you know, putting Portuguese on me. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. And then I'll sit at the table with them at dinner after we, you know, and they try to put a translator next to me. But the translator gets to talking to his friends and they all get to talking. I'm just standing there like, dude, I'm not even involved in this thing. And it is the most awkward if you've ever been there and the most frustrating. And what do I immediately look for? Someone who speaks my language. That's what I begin to do. I try to find someone that understands me and has a connectivity with me. Friend, can I tell you something? On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and they all began to speak in other tongues, the Bible says that the spirit of unity came upon them. What happened was what was confused at Babel has been restored. Unification has been restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and me as Christians are speaking the same language because we have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwelling inside of each and every one of us. In fact, a friend of mine years ago, we were, we were, I was getting to know this guy. He didn't really know Jesus, but he was kind of getting to know Jesus. And he asked me one day, he goes, hey, can I ask you something? I've told you this before. I said, what? He goes, can y'all like sense each other? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like Christians. Can y'all like, like in a room full of people, can you like sense which one's a Christian, which one's not? I got to thinking about it. I said, well, I guess we kind of can. He goes, I knew it. He said, I knew it. He says, because I can tell 
I can tell. He goes, there's a guy that I work with, and I knew he and you are just alike, and I could sense it. And I asked him the other day, are you a Christian? He said, well, yes, I am. He said, just like you. I said, that's right. Why? Because unification came back to us through the spirit of the living God dwelling in each and every one of us. And so today, what I want to teach you is the language of together. Because can I tell you something? If I'm dropped off in Brazil and I can either do one of two things, I can be mad about it, I can stomp about it, or I can learn the language. Bro, if you didn't want to be married to her, you should have made that decision 20 years ago. Now what you got to do is learn the language. He said, well, I see you ain't talking the way I'm talking. Well, that's your problem. Learn the language. He said, oh, I don't like my friends at work. Well, you should have thought about that before you took the job. Now, your job is to learn the language. He said, oh, my other church did this and my other church did this. And I don't like this about Church on the Hill. Friend, let me explain something. You should have thought about that before you came here. Now we're together and we're going to stay together because we're going to learn the language of together. Isn't that good? Say yes. Why? Because there's more power in together than there is in separation. It costs you more. You're thinking, I just don't want to do it anymore, friend. It takes more emotional effort. It takes more finances. It takes more brokenheartedness when you begin to separate. But if we'll fight for together, we'll have power because there'll be nothing that they can't do as they speak the same language heading in the same direction together. Are you there? Say yes. So let me give you a couple tips on the language of together. I'm going to teach you those key pieces of what that language looks like and what you and I have to fight for. Number one, the language of together starts with active listening. It starts with active listening. Say what? Uh, exactly. starts with active listening. That's what I love about you guys. You don't even have time to say amen to me because you're listening. You're in it with me. Active listening. But why don't we do that with our spouses? Why do we zone out when they start talking? I was correcting one of our leaders the other day because when, I, when I'm talking to them, they're going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you know when you do that, you know what you're saying to me? That you wish I'd shut up. I said, do you realize you're doing that? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I said, do you realize you're doing that? And they go, uh, no, I didn't really realize I was doing that. I said, do you really, I'm assuming that you, it's, an, it's a habit, you don't really realize. He goes, no, I really do wish you'd just shut up. I mean, really, that's my problem. I said, well, when you do that with other people in the church, you know what? They probably don't like you at all because you're creating separation because that's not the language of together. The language of together is active listening. I'm going, oh, my goodness. Thank you for saying that. In fact, the seminar this weekend is going to teach you key skill sets on active listening from the Sharp Foundation. You're, it's going to be unbelievable. And Pastor Ryan and Sarah Wood are going to teach you from their own experience. And they, they'll, they'll t they're going to open with their testimony. Uh, even as pastors, they had such a conflict in their marriage. And how God used this tool of active listening to literally revolutionize their marriage and keep them together in moments where they thought, that's it, we're done. We're going to separate out. We're going to divorce. You're going to take this kid. I'm going to take that kid and go the other direction. Frank, can I tell you something? It starts with active listening. He said, what, what do you mean active listening? What is that really? Being sensitive to what's being said. What, it's not even so much about being, what's being said, but watching the, the body language and the movement and the, and the expression. Do you know some of us don't even realize that when we're talking to somebody, someone will walk up and we don't even include them in the conversation. Have you ever experienced that? Where you walked up and you, you were kind of new maybe and you walked up and they had these little innuendos they're talking about and you have no idea what they're doing? You know what that's doing? That's causing separation. That's not causing together. One of the things that you love about this church is that Jamie and I and, and those that are around us, we, we, we celebrate this concept. When you walk up and we're telling a story, we go, hey, come on in. I was just telling them about such and such. It's hilarious. you got to hear this. What is that? That is the language of together. 
We're working towards being together, actively paying attention to what you're feeling, trying our best. We don't always get it right. We don't, we, we, we don't always see it right. Uh, today, for example, this weekend is, is Cinco de Mayo. Well, a friend of mine who's a member of our church, awesome man of God, a couple months ago emailed me and said, Pastor Adam, listen, we should celebrate all the cultural pieces of our church. I said, you're right. He goes, and we didn't do anything for Black History Month. And I wrote him back. I said, I am so sorry. I said, that was, that was more of, of, of just of me missing it, less of a condition of my heart. And, he, and I said, so we're going to do better. So guess what today? Today in the foyer, when you go to leave, there's going to be a mariachi band of teenagers from the local high school playing a little mariachi band just to celebrate some of our culture pieces in our church. How cool is that? You know what? I'm an active listener. I want to be better at it. I'm always not the best. But it's the only way to keep us Say it with me. Keep us. It's a starting point. Listen, man, baby, that's amazing. I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't see that. Sometimes I can, if if I'm bad about it with anybody, it's my spouse. Why? Because she has the most grace on me. Why? Because we're the closest. As a pastor, I may do that a little bit better with you because you're in our church, but maybe not so good with my wife because, you know, well, you know, she's always saying the same thing. I got it the verse 10 times. You know why she keeps saying it? Because I don't acknowledge what she's trying to say. I've got to learn to be a better active listener. This is the language of together. Here's the second piece on the language of together, and that is the language of together builds confidence. It builds confidence. You say, I don't understand why my children are so insecure. You're speaking the wrong language. I don't understand why my coworkers are scared that, that or my boss is scared that I'm going to quit on them. Because you're speaking the language of separation, not the language of, of together. Whatever you're doing is causing insecurity. The language of together actually builds confidence. Picking on Pastor Ryan Wood, I called him last night. I said, is that all right if I share what we went through a couple months ago? He goes, no problem. So a couple months ago, Pastor Ryan, we were able to hire him on staff to be our small group pastor. And, and Pastor Ryan had been, he had pastored at different churches along the way. And in fact, uh, you know, I pick on him because, because I think in like a 12-year period, he had 10 different jobs in t- 10 different states. Uh, something he moved his family ten different times, something like that, and so and so uh, so we get into this thing and and uh, and, and, and get him on staff. He's, he and, and Miss Sarah are doing so good and helping us build small group life and and uh, and they have a shift in their finance, something that we were counting on, uh, a side income kind of dried up and, and they didn't have it anymore. And so and he was real frustrated, like how are we going to pay the bills? And uh, one day in passing, he goes, "Hey, I just want you to know that I sent a resume out to this church in Colorado." And so. I just looked at him, and he was passing by, and so a couple of days later, I said, hey, can we talk? He said, yeah. I said, hey, listen, when you said that, I don't know if you realize that, but I immediately started planning on who I was going to replace you with, because that's the, you didn't give me confidence. In fact, you became a flight risk to me, and, 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 and he put his head down. And he goes, well, he goes, well, I'll be honest with you. He goes, let me tell you a couple of pieces that I have. He said, I was a part of a church that was like church on the hill, and me and the pastor were close. And uh, I was one of the pastors on staff, and it started growing. And, and uh, next thing you know, you couldn't get the pastor on the phone. He drove a big fancy car. He came in through a private entrance. You know, we had thousands and thousands of people coming to church, but, you know, all he did was sit in his big office and write things and no, no relationship. And he said, before I knew it, he basically, you know, didn't even have a relationship with me or any of the people on staff. And I was, I was basically, I was kind of quarantined off as just a sub-pastor. And before I knew it, I didn't even really have a job anymore. See, what he was say, explaining to me was the fear that I was creating in him, and the, I was explaining to him the fear he was creating in me. Why? Because over the years, I've had people want to be my friend when I'm popular, but not my friend when I'm not popular. Come on, you had that? 
used me for where they wanted to go. And the moment that I wasn't going that same direction or I wasn't successful anymore, they just kind of, kind of, you know, shot off, shot off to the next thing and just kept building by stepping on people. And I was one of the ones they stepped on. And so what happened was we sat down, we discussed it. And can I tell you, you know what he does to me now? Pastor Adam, I'm with you, baby. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Come on, we're going to build this church together. And you know what I tell you? Ryan, I got you back, bro. I'm not going to become that weird dude who isolates himself. You keep me in check on that. And guess what we've done? We're now speaking the language of confidence. We're building confidence in one another. Can I tell you something, bro? Whatever you're doing that's he's so insecure, you're not building confidence. Change it. Figure it out. Learn the language. So why are you so insecure? What am I doing? Tell me because I want to fix it because I obviously am, say, am, saying, am saying the wrong words. I'm obviously doing the wrong thing. My language is not, I think I'm doing great, but I'm obviously not doing so good. Isn't this good? Somebody say yes. This is powerful. Come on. Here's a third piece that you can learn about the language or the dynamic of the language of together and that is the language of together embraces discomfort let me ask you this everyone else if everyone else runs off on you in your life who's the one person you know that'll always be there come on say it out jesus thank you all right outside of jesus just human form who would it be it's always going to be mama right all those football players love you mom they never talk about dad. They don't care about us. It's mom. You know what? Mom's the most important. Now, you know, again, outside of Jesus or your spouse, whatever. I get that, that whole thing. But when you come down and everyone quit on you, you know mom will never quit. You know why mom will never quit? Because she spent nine months of discomfort with your ugly self. And then she went through hell on earth to get you out of her body, <laughs> you little tumor. And then, <laughs> it's not a tumor. And then from there... All the portions of your childhood, she was there for you, caring for you. Even when dads run off, guess who stuck with you? Mom stuck with you. Do you know why? You know that mom will always be there because she's willing to go through discomfort to prove that she is together with you. This is the broken spot in our language. Is that we don't, the moment it gets a little uncomfortable, like, I'm out. This ain't comfortable. I don't like this. I don't like this. Remember I gave you that little quote the other day? That uh, by yourself you may go faster, but with others you'll go further. Yeah, there's some discomfort with others. It's kind of frustrating. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, we got to all pile up in the car together. Man, and I'm always a small guy, so I get stuck in the middle. I got to sit on the hump. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I always have to do that. It's not comfortable. But you know what? To be together, it's worth the discomfort. And so if you're waiting for it to be comfortable so that you can hold it together, you'll never keep it together. It's the wrong, you're speaking the wrong language. What you're speaking is selfish ambition. And that's why you can't keep anything together relationally. Because it's all about you. One of the things we love about mom is we know. She's, I mean, my wife has scars across her tummy to give birth to our first child. She had to have a C-section. And she goes sometimes, you know, earlier on, I just hate this little scar. It's so ugly. I'm like, baby. It's beautiful because you gave me my first child, the man-child, Cohen McCain, because of your discomfort. The McCain name continues on through this, the anointed one. Because of that scar, because of that horrible thing that you went through. Can I explain something to you? It's going to be discomfortable. That's part of it. That's the language of together. It's never going it, to, it, you can't say, well, in the moment, it just isn't happy for me. In the moment, I don't feel good about it. I'm out. Friend, can I tell you something? You, what relationship can you have then? What job can you work? What church will you find? 
You'll always be bouncing from thing to thing because you're waiting for it not to be discomfortable. It will always have discomfort. That is the language of together. I will fight through the discomfort. And I, listen, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm working with some of the pastors in the city. And man, my first couple of times I'd walk in and they all knew each other. And I'd just sit, stand there and I wanted to run away. I was like, I don't want to be a part of these idiots. They got the best church ever. Need them. No one's introducing me. No one's saying hello. No one's validating me. You know what? That discomfort almost caused me to become bitter, but instead I jumped up in the middle. Hey, I'm Adam. Oh, yeah, we got a church called Church on there. I started loving them. Can I tell you something? They're, they're high-fiving me now. It's been a couple of years. One of the local pastors, man, he said, he said, Adam, when we go on pulpit switch, you come speak. He's got a predominantly African-American church. He said, we'll switch pulpits. Well, who does that? That's people who've learned to work together, and I've had to fight through the discomfort to get the together. Are you there? Say yes. Come on. That's good. Here's number four. Here's the fourth piece of that language of together and that is the language of together is peacemaking it's peacemaking it's a peacemaking language but i would rather do right than be right that's where some of your problems are at you're trying to be right instead of do right and i tell you something when you're really mature <laughs> you don't have to prove it to everybody Come on, have you ever been standing there and somebody start running their mouth? And I know this, and you know, actually, what Adeline does this all the time to me. She goes, well, actually, Dad, well, the way a tire works, and she's starting, and I'm looking at her like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're philosophizing as a third grader, and you have no idea what you're talking about. And I don't embarrass her. I don't say, baby, you're stupid. I don't do that. Let me show you exactly what you need to know. I just let her talk. I'm just happy she's thinking through things. I'm just happy she's building some confidence to communicate. I don't have to prove to her that she's wrong and I'm right. Friend, that's why we have separation is because you want to be right. You don't want to be right. You want to do right and keep it together. I don't have to be right all the time. And when I do, that's when Jamie and I have the biggest conflict when I'm trying to be right. It's whenever my kids and I, and they're trying to learn some things in their life, and I start trying to tell them what's right, and da-da-da-da, and get all up in their business, and they just look at me like, could you just... Tell me you love me. And I realize that sometimes, man, I'm so busy trying to be right that I'm not doing right. There's a great passage about this, and we'll just kind of highlight it in Genesis chapter 26. We see that Isaac um, is this great peacemaker, and Isaac has these herdsmen of his. And, uh, you know, in those times, it's an agrarian culture, and so you either grow plants or you have, you know, you have some type of herd animal that you live and die based on. You know, that's kind of your business. It's not like they had printing presses in these days. And so in this biblical moment here, and, and again, in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac digs a well because, again, if you're in the Middle East, you need water. You need water for your plants. You need water for your, for your, uh, for, you know, for your herds of animals and things like that for them to survive. So Isaac builds a well. Have you ever tried to build a well? Can you imagine using ancient tools to do it? Probably takes them months. They build this well. They finally hit water. They're so excited. And the local herdsmen from around the area and the area in which they were living say, come and say, no, this is our well. This is our property. What does Isaac do? He doesn't fight them. He goes, okay. Well, hallelujah. And he goes down. He finds another place down the road. And he digs another well. After he gets that one dug, and he's finally got a little breakthrough for his, for his little herd and his little group of men who serve him and his little small business, the, uh, they come again. Wait a minute, this is still our property. We own all this, and this is our well. And he's like, you didn't do anything to build it, but you know what? Peace, peace. And he goes down, and he builds a third well. Goes down the road a little further, builds a third well. This time they come, and they say, you're a man of peace. And they come into a covenant relationship with him. Can I explain something to you? 
They come into a, a, a covenant relationship with him. And then guess who, when all the crazy ones start attacking down from the mountains, guess who helps Isaac and protects Isaac and his herds? The guys that he had conflict with before, but he kept being a peacemaker, kept being a peacemaker, kept being a peacemaker. Friend, can I tell you something? The language of together is just being a peacemaker. It's being a peacemaker. Now, peacemaking doesn't always mean that you get, you get walked on. Sometimes, hey, can we talk for a second? I'd like to make some peace with you. You know, you're, you're spitting and shouting and screaming in a boardroom. That's not good. Please don't do that anymore because every time you dishonor me like that and disrespect me in front of our coworkers, it makes me want to go to HR and have you lose your job. Or to tweet that out about the company or put some great responses on Yelp about you. I don't want to do that. I want us to work together. So what am I doing to cause you to treat me like that? Peacemaking. Peacemaking. You don't have to respond in anger and frustration with your spouse it's just because they had a bad day. Peacemaking. One of the greatest things that I ever learned from, from uh, uh, James, James Dobson back in the day, we're talking about put, keeping your family together, is when your kid comes home from school, maybe you're there, you know, don't immediately go in to ask them a thousand questions. Know that they got all this stuff going on in their head. Same thing with your spouse. They got all this stuff, and they just need to defrag for a little bit. Don't get into, you didn't take this out, and you didn't do this right before you left work. Just let them defrag. You let them go sit in front of the TV for a little bit, and then you go back in there after about an hour and say, hey, can we talk a little bit? Let's get the house going. Let's get dinner started and things like that. Give them a little peacemaking. This is, this is why people stay together because somebody in that group has enough sense to be a peacemaker. And can I tell you something? If you'll be a peacemaker, others will respond with peace as well. And this is who our Jesus is. And the last and final piece, if you will, and, and, and uh, well, let me give you this quote. Talk about what you believe and you will have disunity. Talk about who you believe in and you will have unity. E. Stanley Jones, powerful statement. Talk about what you believe in. Everybody wants to talk about what you believe in. That's why we got such disunity here in the United States. Everybody, well, I believe in this. Well, I believe in this. I believe in this. Well, let me tell you something. I believe in Jesus Christ. And he brings me together with everyone who has different opinions. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I know who I believe in. And because I believe in him, I know that he has it all under control. It gives me peace. So I can have peace in a storm. Why? Because the Prince of Peace lives and abides in my life. Isn't that good? Say yes. Last and final piece on how to, the language of together. Here we go. The language of together. And that is, it submerges itself in the Spirit's fire. The language of together is submerged down in the Holy Spirit's fire. There's a fire of the Holy Spirit that should be welling up in our bones. There should be, because the Spirit of the Lord lives and abides in you and me, there's this Holy Spirit fire that's deep and powerful. And what happens many times is we don't realize to keep it all together that we should incorporate the Holy Ghost into this situation. We just get all in the flesh. And before you know it, we roll in our neck. I tell you, say that again. Say it again. Say it again. I dare you to say it again. I mean, I lost my mind the other day. I was at the gas station, and I didn't realize I was, they were, you know, bumper to bumper, you know, and, and I was waiting for the guy up front to pull out, and so I kind of pulled up right here, and I didn't realize I'd blocked in the guy who was getting gas on the, on the second pump. And so I just didn't realize. I was waiting for this guy to pull out, and he started playing with his phone, and he had already finished pumping his gas, so I was waiting for him, just looking at him, and I didn't realize the guy right here was trying to get out, and I'd blocked him in. And I guess because he's got demons, he jumped out of his car. I had my window down. He jumped out of his car, and I heard somebody cussing and yelling and spitting. And I turned, and he's looking at me. Blanking, blanking, blanker, 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 blanker. And he's jumping up and down. And before I knew it, I said, are you talking to me? And he blanking. I said, are you talking to me? And he goes, 
and he got in his car. I guess I look big in a car. I don't know. He obviously, you know, if I'd have got out and stood up, he'd have been like, what? I can take him. But I guess I look huge in my car. I don't know. Put the seat up real high. I don't know what it was, you know. Maybe he thought I was reaching for my pistols. I don't know. And he got in, he drove off and flipped me off. And I realized he drove off. Ooh, that was real spiritual, man of God. Didn't handle that one real well. Why? Because I didn't submerge that situation into the Holy Spirit fire. What I did was I let the flesh win out on that, right? I love this little storyline by Charles Spurgeon. He told this story once. He said, there was a blacksmith who had two pieces of iron, which he wished to weld together. And he took them, just as they were, cold and hard, and began to beat them on the anvil and beat them and beat them and beat them together with all of his might, but still they would not merge into one. And it was at that moment that he remembered that he should never have forgotten that the only way to bring these two pieces of metal together was to thrust them into the fire. And hot and red, he takes them out of the fire, sets them on top of each other, and then bangs them two or three times with the hammer, and they become one. I want you to understand something. You keep trying to be cold and separate and trying to fix this thing in your marriage, this thing at school, this thing with your friendship. Friend, you need to get that thing down in the Holy Ghost fire. And once you get it down in what the Spirit of the Lord is doing, all of a sudden, friend, I'll tell you something, that thing will merge. And who's been your enemy will become your best friend. Who's been the person that you couldn't hardly deal with or stand, all of a sudden you'll come together. Because the Spirit of the Lord's fire will melt those things that are so big and so huge. And me, all that dross will just push aside and the metal will come together and the two can become one. You say, what do you mean by how? What's practical? How do I practically connect that? Well, listen, can you imagine if you and your spouse started praying every night before you went to bed? Can you imagine if you got all the team at work that you're having conflict with? You say, can we, guys, I know y'all not Christian, but can I just pray over this real quick? Can I pray over you and this, this new task that we've been given by our boss and none of us feel like we can? Can we just pray over that? And you start calling forth the Spirit of the Lord to melt this thing together. Can you imagine if you and your family started taking communion together once a month? You got all the kids into the living room, turned off all the TV and all of your music and all that, and after dinner, you say, well, we don't even eat dinner at the same time. If you could just find a time and come together and take communion. And say, so we're going to pray over each other. We're going to lay hands on each other. I want you to pray for daddy. Daddy's going to pray for you. I want you to pray for mom. Can you imagine what would happen? Why? Because you're putting it down in the spirit fire. And as a result of that thing, it's starting to melt your heart. See, it's hard to hate someone who you pray for every day. It's hard to have separation for someone that you're sitting holding hands. Or how about this one? How about if you got that difficulty in that relationship with that spouse or, or that person that you're really close with in your family and you had them sit down and you washed their feet? It'd be hard to have hatred towards them. It'd be hard to have this separation. We're talking about together today and the language of together. Oh, yeah, it's hard to speak that language. You got to learn it. You wish it came naturally. It doesn't come naturally. We have to learn the language of together. Can you imagine with the spirit fire if you and I began to worship together? And we just say, come on, let's just sing. I want to put this song. Can we just sit here with me? I always just want to sing to the Lord. And that all of a sudden what happens is that fire of the Holy Spirit begins welling up in both of us. And all the stuff that's causing separation. Because it's the enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Frank, can I tell you something? You're wasting more time, more effort, more emotional baggage is coming into your life. More brokenness is happening to you. Because you're trying to figure out a way to run away from it, to separate from it. Instead of learning the language of together. If you'll learn the language of together... There'll be nothing you can't do. 
God himself said it. If they stay together with the same language, with the same mindset, there is nothing they will not be able to do. So I will confuse their languages so I can make them go do what I want them to do. Isn't that something? Say yes. Isn't that awesome? Say yes. Hope you were blessed today. Would you stand with me all across the room? Set your Bibles and your notebooks down. And Just want to give you some time. I want to minister to you for just a moment. And I want you just to kind of bow your head and close your eyes with me all across the room. I want to be a church that's together. I told somebody the other day that was having conflict, I said, listen, I'll not have anyone in my church sit across the aisle and not like each other, talk bad about each other. I'll kick you out so fast. Can you kick people out of church? Out of this one, we will. Because I was at that church where they talked bad about each other. Come on, somebody. I was at that place where they had disunity and, and they wouldn't fight to be together. They wouldn't love. They wouldn't learn this language of together. We're not going to be about that. We're going to talk bad about each other, point out each other's weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. We're all broken. We all need help. That's why we're learning together. I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning too. That's why I want you to post all this week what mama taught you so it can help me in my life. You bow your head and close your eyes with me. I want you to think about where there's separation, where there's brokenness. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in a friendship that y'all used to be really close and now you won't even talk. I want you to think about maybe a coworker, a boss. Are you speaking the language of confidence to them? Do they feel as though you got their back? Maybe that's why they're giving you such difficulty. Would you hear him right where you stand, right now? You don't have to figure out how to fix it all, but would you just commit to learn the language? Would you just do that right where you stand? Would you say, Lord, I want you to picture the person you have a conflict with, and you say, Lord, would you teach me the language of together with them? Just teach me what, what that could look like for them. Ask the Lord begin to show you, point it out. Maybe you got a child that, an adult child who just don't, won't even interact with you anymore. I want you to begin to ask the Lord, say, Lord, teach me how to, the language of together for them. Maybe, maybe you got a, a situation at work that just, I mean, the moment I start preaching on this, you're like, oh my God, he's reading my mail. I'm, I'm, I'm about to leave this job. I can't stand these people. Maybe the Lord would have you leave on different circumstances instead of separating out and causing a bunch of mess. Maybe what the Lord wants to do is teach you a little bit of t- together language. I don't know. I'm not going to try to superimpose this to every situation that's here in front of me today. But I do want you to know that there's a language. There's a language that you and I must learn that keeps us together. You and I got to learn it. And so right there where you stand with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to take about 60 seconds and say, Lord, help me. Help me to learn this language. Maybe there's, of these five pieces, there's something that you recognize. Maybe you don't build confidence in other people. Maybe you cause that separation. They don't feel invited into a relationship with you. They feel left out. Uh, Maybe, you know, that, that piece towards the end about the spirit fire, you don't ever pray with people. You don't ever try to bring the spirit of the Lord into these situations. You keep trying to fix it by some kind of something you learned in college or some kind of course you took or just because you got a counseling degree doesn't mean that you that you understand the power of the Holy Spirit to bring things together, the power to merge those things. Maybe you've gotten so used to defending yourself and conflict resolution that you don't know how to be a peacemaker anymore. I don't know where you find yourself in this whole thing, but it starts with active listening. God, show me. Would you, would you be an active listener to the Lord right now and asking, Lord, show me, tell me, speak to me. What's the starting point for me in this situation? Father, I pray that, I thank you, Lord, that every one of the men and women in our church, young, old, black, white, Hispanic, 
Asian, rich, poor, middle class, educated, not so educated. Every one of us, oh God, that we would fight to stay together. But Lord God, that we would learn the language of together. That Lord, our marriages would be strong, powerful. That our families would be magnificent, wonderful. We won't have all this separation and heartbreak and confusion. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we won't bounce from job to job to job because we don't know the language of together. That, Lord God, you'll use us to even teach entire corporations. You'll use us, Lord, as we learn to save other families. Lord, it starts here at our church, Church on the Hill. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would embrace the learning curve of together. That we would recognize it's the lie of the enemy that it's easier to separate. The cost involved, the destruction. Oh, that's why you say in your scriptures that you hate divorce. You don't hate divorcees, you hate what divorce does. So destructive. Lord, we've all been affected by it. So Lord, we need to learn a new language, the language of together. Help us, Daddy, help us. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you're not a Christian, Friend, I got such good news for you. God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He's not, he's not waiting for you to be good. You're here today. He's here today. His arms are stretched out wide. Welcome you home. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done, what I've become. Friend, I don't, but he does, and he still loves you. The Word of God says it like this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> he, he didn't wait for us to be good. Because no man is good. We're all sinners. But grace, that beautiful cross, that mercy place, God extended love to us by sending his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. If you're away from the Lord today, I'd like to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to I lead you back into a relationship with him. Or for the first time, rather. You say, what do I have to do? That's the great news. He did it all. It's all been paid forward. He did it all. It's done. It's all, there, there is a, an account with your name on it, and all your sins have already been prepaid for. They've already been covered over. You say, well, how do I access that account? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Jesus said it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am the Son of God, I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that's all I have to do? Yeah. But what he means by that is make him your Lord and Savior. To develop the best friend relationship that so many people don't really understand. And then everything that's his, you have access to. Healing, miracles, forgiveness. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, God's tugging at your heart, saying it's time. It's time to repent. It's time to make Jesus your Lord again. Or to make him the Lord for the first time. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to humiliate you or embarrass you. Right where you're at. No one's looking around. Me, you, and Jesus right now. But I need you to identify yourself to me and to the Lord. No one else is looking. But it's time to pray and it's time to ask Jesus to forgive us and come into our life. If I'm speaking to you, you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I'm away from God. I want to come home. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right where you're at? I'll pray with you. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us and wash us clean. Quickly, throw your hand up. God bless you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty. Just about three, four seconds left, and then we're going to move on. I just don't want you to walk out of this place wondering, am I a Christian? If I died today, would I go to heaven or hell? Let's solve it right now. Let's fix it all right now.
Two more seconds left. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to serve the Lord. Throw your hand up. Make sure I see it. Amen. There's been a number of hands. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your sincerity. Now, I want to pray with you across the room. In fact, I want those who, who are standing all throughout this congregation to pray this prayer out loud with those who lifted their hand. You who lifted your hand, I want you to mean it with everything you got. You ready? I want to lead you in. Here we go. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need your grace. And I fall upon the mercies of God. I thank you for the cross. And I receive your forgiveness. And I declare here and now, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit because I'm yours. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the very sense, the understanding that they are forgiven would come upon them right now. That they have accessed the full the full range of your forgiveness for them. And everything that you bought and paid for on that, on that wretched cross so many thousands of years ago is now accessible by us, Lord God. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your deliverance, Lord. We do receive that and we call that as done. In Jesus' name. Now, congregation, I want you to grab hands with that person next to you. And as we go to close, we can't close the first teaching on together without being together. And I want you to take 60 seconds, and I want you to pray for the person on either side of you. And I want you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, strengthen them. Lord, bless them. Lord, unite our hearts together. I want you just to pray like that. Come on, you're about 45 seconds already left. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you right now that our church will be a church that is strong and full of unity. We rebuke this unity. We rebuke separation in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you our marriages will stay strong. Our relationships with our children will be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I thank you that our friendships will not be broken and destroyed. I thank you, Lord, our co-laborers in Christ, our small groups will be full of life and vitality and we'll go the distance with each other and we won't quit on each other the moment it gets uncomfortable. But Lord God, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that we will be a church that prays together, that stays together, that changes the world together in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen and amen and amen.